What is up, guys? This is Matthew with Battle Damage Drift Podcasts, and I have some explaining to do. So I've actually received a few messages asking if we were done with the podcast or not. It has been a year since we released the last one. We built up a little following, and uh, we appreciate that. So it's time for me to comment. I started this project with uh, my good friend Ricky, of course. You guys have gotten to know over the podcast that we did. And uh, me and Ricky have known each other a long time. I don't want to fully speak for Ricky here, but I believe Ricky is just too busy uh, these days to be able to participate in the podcast. So moving forward, I will be the sole host. So if you do not like me talking about drifting, you do not agree with me, you are not going to enjoy the podcast moving forward. So I would suggest uh, go ahead and turn it off. (laughs) But uh, if not, I am going to be here and we're going to discuss some drifting. Formula D, of course, jumping right in. Has restarted season. We have done three rounds. Orlando wrapping up this last weekend, which I was able to attend. Got a lot of thoughts here. Uh, Formula D, and I'm certainly anxious to hear any of you guys' thoughts. Uh, always feel free to comment on the social media. So I Facebook, of course, on the Battle Damage podcast page. Uh, or you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram if you prefer that way. We are, of course, available on all podcast services. Yippee, yippee. And um, before I completely dive in, I would like to give a shout-out to one company, uh, Stateside Garage. If you are like me and you like JDM goodies, stuff from Japan, stuff like Option Magazine, uh, stuff like um, Young Version Magazine, uh, toy diecast cars from over there, uh, old JDM Option DVDs, Drifting Goku, etc., etc., uh, just rare JDM stuff that has to do with the car culture. Uh, you're not going to go better um, than this guy, Stateside Garage. Uh, his name is Andrew. He gets in some amazing stuff. His prices are super fair. Uh, there, there are others who do this kind of service, but uh, a lot of them are just price gougers who don't care at all. Andrew is a car culture guy. He loves the scene. Uh, you can trust that he's going to give you a good deal. So I cannot recommend enough right off the bat to check out Stateside garage.com give him a uh, follow on social media he adds new inventory daily there's a lot of great stuff going on and again really good deals so if you're like me and that's stuff you enjoy please check it out i'm certainly going to post a picture of stuff i've grabbed from him recently for you guys to see and uh, he'll hook you up great dude all right jumping into formula d so long beach round one uh, per the norm uh, getting down into it, we saw Ryan Turk come out on top, uh, first place with a solo run. There was no battle there. Matt Field uh, grabbed second place, and the reason there was no battle for first was because Matt Field unfortunately um, wrecked his car in the battle with Frederick Osbo in the uh, round of four, and uh, Odie Bakshis took third place uh, that day. So if you can't tell, Falcon, again, is going to have a very strong team. Uh, you know, two Falcon title drivers take second, third place in the podium. We saw that a lot last year, too. They're going to be strong contenders. Matt Field had a lot to say about this event. The wreck that happened, that likely kept him from potentially grabbing first. Matt Field, for one, has improved tremendously. The last two years, I think this year so far, he's shown that it's on a fluke. 
Um, he's a serious contender for the first time in his career over the last couple years. Uh, I would say he is certainly one of the best five drivers, continue to establish himself. Had he gotten a, uh, a chance to battle, it, it, it would have been interesting. Ryan Turk was driving the best he's driven that day. The last two years in the Corolla, Turk looks like a far more consistent driver. That's disregarding, of course, my feelings about the Corolla. Uh, which I've talked about before, but I do think Ryan Turk is getting more consistent over the last two years. And he was going to be hard to beat at Long Beach. I mean, Ryan was driving well all day long. Uh, Matt, however, coming off of um, initiation down the straight at uh, Long Beach, Osbo was chasing him very, very tight. When Matt went to transition, heading into outside zone number two, uh, there wasn't enough room for him to transition. He rubbed with Osbo. The rub caused Matt to have a blip. And as you know, at Long Beach, if you get offline, it can be disastrous. Matt Field smacked into the wall. Um, by the time he did transition with the rear fender, the rear passenger side fender, which then sent the front of his car into the wall, totaling his Corvette and ending his day early. Again, he still took second. Um, and I'm not sure he would have beaten Turk that day anyway. But uh, he certainly had a lot to say, uh, a lot of beef uh, between him and Osbo that day. Uh, to, to Osbo's credit, not at all. Osbo, feel how you want about him. Uh, he's certainly a classy guy who holds himself very professionally. He did on that day as well. Uh, instantly apologetic to Matt Field. Matt Field, of course, um, felt a certain way because uh, I think the way he looked at it was he had a serious shot to grab gold that day and did it up uh, silver but i do want to give frederick osbo a huge deal of respect i mean it, it's drifting you know, this stuff kind of happens it's going to happen when you're pushing osbo is certainly right there osbo is i think for all intents and purposes uh and it, and it can change and there's a few drivers up there but osbo is probably your fastest driver in formula d um you can make an argument that maybe chelsea or somebody and i think they're all they are close but I think Osbo is very fast. He's very fast, especially in the Supra, and uh, just quick and able to adapt. And when you're like that, you know, mistakes are going to happen sometimes. I mean, he was right there on field. It, it was a barely a rub, but enough to do damage. But again, I do want to give credit where it's due, and that Osbo really handled himself well, um, even though I ended uh, Matt Field day early. Was there any other, like, notable... Uh, things about this event there was um, a lot of the stuff coming into the event was pretty notable for one this was adam lz uh, his first event with team rtr and the mustang his first formula d event uh, this was also the premiere of darren kelly's aston martin uh, we saw some new livery from people like federico Rifo. A host of things first year since the start we haven't had von gitten or dios yara in there which was a little strange. You know, there were definitely some uh, some interesting battles. We saw some of the young guys kind of step up. Uh, Jonathan Hurst, uh, of course, um, in a new chassis, in a BMW now. Masuyama ended up beating Adam LZ, who we just mentioned a second ago. Masuyama drove pretty well there. A very aggressive entry. I think he probably had the most aggressive entries on the day. Very, very, like, Japanese-style, big faint entries coming in which was pretty cool to see rome charpentier had his best around i think ever since he's joined formula d had some bad breaks he's very talented he got all the way to the uh, final eight drivers and in the grade eight of course um he got beat by odie uh, odie was driving very well that day 
Um, but Rome really, really did well. Um, you know, he went against Travis Reeder in the first round at Long Beach, held his own. He then went against Daniel Stuckey, who is another young guy I forgot to mention that really like stood up and has shown off this season. We'll get to more on him coming up. And then again to the eight versus Odie, which he ended up losing. But drove really well. I mean, really did. Uh, but yeah, ultimately had Ryan Turk. He looked nearly unbeatable that day. Chelsea Denofa, of course, made a mistake. This is going to be a common theme coming up in the uh, opening three rounds that we're going to talk about. Uh, Chelsea Denofa has had more struggles this year than I anticipated, or I think anybody anticipated. Uh, some of that's on him, and some of it, I think, uh, judging calls were a little off. Um, but as with any judge thing, that's always an opinion. Uh, so, But he did lose to Osbo in uh, round one. Uh, but again, Osbo, as again we'll get to, is a very uh, fast driver this year, very consistent. And Osbo's not a guy who's just he's just not going to make mistakes. Um, his mistakes that he makes are minor, they're correctable. Osbo, I'm really not sure I've ever seen him incomplete a run. If it's been a long time, I mean, he he just is not the driver to do that. I guess you could uh, say that he did against Matt Field a couple years ago, and Field swung out and hit him coming into initiation, uh, which effectively ended um, Osbo's day without him even really getting a chance to compete. But a true mistake to end his day, get it incomplete. I'm really not sure I've ever seen it. I mean, Osbo is just that good. And Kyle Mohan really put up a heck of a battle. In fact, the Mohan versus Denofa battle at Long Beach um, was a bit controversial. Mohan got offline, which I think it will ultimately cost him. But there is quite a bit of opinion on the internet and many drifting places that Mohan uh, should have at least garnered it one more time, um, if not the victory. Um, it's a hard call, but Kyle certainly drove well. We've seen that actually last year as well. Kyle is uh, doing a little better here, and um, yeah, he's he, he's coming on okay. You're going to have to watch out uh, for the RXA moving forward if you're most of these drivers. He, he certainly is dialing it in, and um, becoming a different driver altogether in that, and uh, much more consistent. Let's move on to Atlanta. So um, the action starts to get more heavy as we advance more rounds. So Atlanta, just just to go ahead and spoiler it, you had Frederick Osbo as number one. Chris Forsberg uh, finished second place, and Matt Field finished third. Uh, Osbo was just absolutely unbeatable at Atlanta. Hey, I mean, there wasn't a single soul I was going to beat him. There wasn't anybody who had a higher exit speed into the final stretch there and the final two turns. So coming out of the keyhole and then back up into uh, the straight they initiate from, uh, there was just nobody that could keep up with him. I mean, he was just so fast. It was some of the fastest driving I have seen uh, in several years. I mean, it was just insane. The Supra was just leaving people in the dust. The only competitor that day, I think, that would have had a shot at keeping up with Frederick, Frederick Osbo at Atlanta uh, was Chelsea Denofa, but he didn't get to that point. Um, Denofa got taken out against Brandon Sorensen in a very controversial call. Controversy, of course, constantly dooming Formula D, it feels like. But that was certainly one... Um, I also can kind of side with the controversy. Uh, I do think it was a bit controversial. I'm not sure it should have went to the one more time that ended up leading to Chelsea Denofa losing Brandon Sorensen. I think they should have won likely the first battle. Um, and we may may have ended up with Chelsea Denofa against Osbo, which I think is the only person that could have kept up with him. It was uh, Odie against Osbo, and Odie is one of your faster drivers as well. I'd say he's in the top three to five, uh, maybe even uh, top three. I think if I had to rank them you know, roughly, and I can change on a given track, but I'd say Osbo, Chelsea, and then probably Odie are your fastest. Maybe Field is in that uh, dance, or Turk as well. 
Um, no surprise, all five of those guys are big competitors. I do think that it was really hard for anybody to keep up with Osbo that day. He just looked unbeatable at Atlanta, so it's just no surprise that he won. Anything else that really caught my attention at Atlanta um, or anything you guys want to talk about, uh, you know, feel free to comment again on the social media pages. And I'm happy to kind of... Um, respond or get my thoughts or you know dialogue uh with you guys about that you know jeff jones we've seen um in the last couple of years have some good runs jeff jones got to the eight at atlanta he ended up losing against matt field which of course again is getting very very consistent as a driver uh dan burkett had a pretty good day ended up losing to forsberg and the z uh the z doesn't look insanely fast but chris is driving it really well which will be apparent when we review um where we're at on the standings after three uh forsberg did take it all the way to the finals of course ended up losing to osbo he just could not keep up with osbo in that final back half of atlanta again i don't think anybody could maybe chelsea denofa would have had a shot but nobody else uh, had a shot that day in my opinion it just wasn't happening we did see uh Federico Sirifo, uh take out Ken Gushi. If we want to say it like that, maybe take out Ken Gushi is not the word for that, but he did uh, advance. Uh, so a lot of people were excited to see that. He ended up losing to Ryan Turk in the uh, 16, but uh, Federico having the Ferrari going and moving to 16 was pretty exciting for, for a lot of people. Um, he certainly has become a bit of a crowd favorite, especially a certain portion of the crowd that really likes like, the difference of bringing a Ferrari in, uh, new livery and everything. You know, he has, he has a base uh, that really likes to see that. Side note on him, um, but I think he's driven pretty well through three rounds. And what we've seen, the Ferrari continues to struggle uh, mechanically, um, which is becoming a, a bit of a problem. But I do want to also mention something in uh, Long Beach that I think uh, I did forget to mention. But Kazuya Taguchi, of course, is one of the drivers that I like most. And Taguchi did not get to run in Long Beach. His car broke. And uh, that, that is obviously going to play a major impact on the way his season goes. He made it to the top 16 and got taken out by Odie Bakshi's Atlanta. So Taguchi certainly starting off with uh, kind of behind due to his car malfunctioning or just not being repaired in time, which is a shame because he's a driver that's certainly come on. He's gotten very good over the years. You see improvement every year. I'm certainly a bit biased, but a shame, a shame. So if you're a fan of the Japanese drivers, uh, Masayama, uh, Taguchi, and then Ken Gushi, I guess, uh, now of course represents Japan. It had to be disappointment for your day to not see Taguchi be able to compete in round one. But uh, again, round two, he did come out, but made to the 16 and lost. We are seeing Kaz make you know greater runs there. Um, into the 16, he's certainly becoming more of a consistent competitor. Mike Power uh, made it to the 16 in this round. Um, drove really well in Atlanta, in my opinion. Certainly got offline against Dan Burkett, which ultimately cost him. Yeah, I mean, this 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 group of uh, freshmen and sophomore competitors, so rookie and one year removed from rookie, yeah, these guys are actually looking looking decent for sure. I'd say even the last three years, of course, Adam Elsey would be in that group. We're seeing some good competition. Formula D for a while had a high ceiling but a low floor in pro at times. There's pro two drivers that were better than some of the pros. Um, I think we're kind of getting out of that. I mean, some people would certainly argue and say that's not true. There's still some of these drivers that belong in pro two. But for the most part, I don't think most drivers today are sure out. I think it's definitely better head to toe than it was, um, you know, even five years ago. Uh, as far as driver level goes, I think you're seeing again uh, better and better competition so it certainly is interesting to see but and bodes well i mean it bodes well uh, for the future but again uh, just outside of like who won here with frederick osbo versus chris forsberg forsberg piloting the new z um in atlanta and almost taking it but just uh, and osbo was just unbeatable the only i think memorable controversy in my opinion that was big was 
Sorensen and Denofa, and I'd like to know any of you guys' thoughts on that. If you disagree uh, with the call that was made um, in in those battles, um, if you think that Brandon truly did deserve an OMT and then a, a win later, um, either way, it's uh, always interesting to kind of hear or see what the pulse is. But it did certainly generate a lot of controversy online. I do think there's good reason for that. And then, of course, Orlando was this last weekend. Who won it? Orlando. We, of course, uh, if you didn't watch um, or if you still plan to, since it is not long after that event, uh, go ahead and stop this podcast here now and just return to it when you viewed it. If not, if not, if you care to know the results, I'm about to get to that. It, you know, it's got to be one of the Team Falcon drivers, right? It's got to either be them or it's got to be Frederick Osbo. It has got to be um, you know, Ryan Turk or Matt Field. Uh, well, I already said the Team Falcon drivers, so... Um, uh, surprisingly not. So Dylan Hughes uh, made it all the way to the top of the podium in this round. Dylan Hughes took Orlando, a crazy Orlando event with crazy weather. Uh, very Florida event. Chris Forsberg in the New Z. Look at that, grabbing second yet again for his second race in a row. A lot of people may say that that's not a very memorable season so far. He hasn't taken one. Here's the thing. Finishing second twice and getting on the podium twice will do a lot for you in point standing. Um, and we'll review that in just a second. Uh, but Chris Forsberg has done himself very well um, in the first three rounds in the New Z. And then third was Frederick Osbo. So again, no surprise, has also done himself really, really well in these past uh, three rounds. I think he's got to be your season favorite. If you were putting money at the beginning of the year, I think he would have the greatest odds. Frederick Osbo is, uh, you know, of course, your defending champ. And I'm not sure there's going to be anybody that stops him. But without me getting too far off subject, talk about the potential future of Formula D season in 2022. Talking specifically about Florida, not only was it Formula D Pro Round 3, it was also Formula D Pro Spec Round 1. So we're finally getting to see the Pro Spec group, and we got a lot to talk about there. Those guys looked awesome, uh, but uh, let's get to it. So right away, your first battle of the day in Orlando was Frederick Osbo versus Adam LZ, and that was a disappointment for a lot of people because Adam went up against, of course, your number one qualifier and current number one leader on the season. Spoiler alert, Frederick Osbo in the very first battle. And uh, Osbo uh, did beat Adam LZ to secure a uh, victory and, of course, knock the famous Adam LZ and hometown, uh, hometown celebrity, out of the running early. Um, I do want to make a couple comments on that battle. So the way that battle started is it began in the rain. It started to rain about five minutes before the pros went out for top 32. Uh, Adam LZ was in the chase first. Frederick Osbo was leading. Osbo certainly put the car in the right spot on initiation, rode the wall on the outside zone. Uh, but Adam LZ really did a nice job sticking with him. He was pretty much on Osbo's door. I was a little surprised by that. Um, Adam looked very comfortable in the chase. Uh, Orlando is his home track, so that certainly helps. But he did a very good job, one of the better chase runs we've seen him put down. Unfortunately, coming into transition, they were alerted that it was actually a restart. The rain had affected the restart light, and the run had to end right then. Even though it was an awesome battle up until that point, they had to restart. So it really didn't matter that Frederick Osbo was putting down uh, what looked to be a pretty perfect lead run. And Adam LZ was basically right on his door, throwing down a very nice chase run. Um, 
they had to restart. Upon the restart, they lined up again. Frederick Osbo leading, puts down a pretty nice line yet again. Um, and Adam LZ also does the same until they begin to come off the bank. Uh, Adam LZ stayed pretty close to Osbo when they begin to come off the bank to get into the middle in transition. Adam LZ's car over rotated coming off of the bank um, when it got kind of close to the bottom of the bank. Um, it looked like it just got upset a little bit too much and he over rotated. It was a very weird uh, near spin because it really didn't look like he angled up hard. It didn't really look like there was anything that caused the car to do it, but it just lost a little too much grip at the wrong spot and Adam LZ was basically instantly eliminated barring a mistake by Osbo and his chase run and that did not come. Osbo of course being a veteran and knowing the game and what to do uh, put in a, a winnable effort in the chase and was able to easily move on to round 16. So a lot of heartbroken people in the stands right off the bat in the top 32. But I do want to give credit where it's due, and Adam LZ actually was putting down a pretty nice chase run, uh, so he does deserve that uh, credit. Jeff Jones then beat Brandon Sorensen. Kazuya Toguchi then beat Nick Novak. Nick, of course, I believe this is his second year now in pro. Uh, but again, Taguchi has done a good job of at least making it to the 16. We are seeing that more and more with him, and he did it here as well. Uh, that actually went to a one more time. And yes, again, Taguchi is one of my favorite drivers. I didn't think it deserved one more time. I think Taguchi should have won that. I was very surprised. The judges went the way they did. One judge, if I recall, went Nick Novak, which was very surprising to me. And then uh, the two other judges went OMT. Uh, but nonetheless, Taguchi ended up winning the one more time. Michael Esso went against Ryan Literal. So Ryan Literal has now been uh, this year in more events. I mean, the majority of events run so far uh, with the RB. So we are at least seeing them get the RB dial down, which will be fun. It's certainly a very controversial car. It is the most unique uh, motor out there, in my opinion. It is an older Nissan RB26, and it is not anything close to what most other people are running today. I thought he put down a really nice run. Uh, got just a tad bit offline against Michael Essa. Unfortunately, when you're reversing a guy like Essa, he's just not mistake prone. And Essa is going to put down a really, really nice run as well. Um, and and Esta can be a bit robotic. He's not the most exciting driver all the time. He's really solid usually in chases, but his lead run is going to be good enough to be good and get a good score. And Ryan Literal just got enough offline that it was um, you know relatively easy move on for Esta. I did think Literal actually you know put down some really nice laps though. Car looked really nice and sounded really mean. Jonathan Castro against Chris Forsberg. Castro has a lot of hype when it comes to places like Atlanta and when it comes to Florida. It's, it's places that he's laid down some really memorable chase runs and had some of his best work. Jonathan Castro looks very comfortable in the new GR86 um, and that continued here. Castro was laying down such a nice chase run. He was right on the door. Chris Forsberg. Forsberg of course has been very dominant in the new Z and um, Castro was right on his door but similar to Adam LZ just coming off the bank he was a little too close um, just ended up over rotating Forsberg moved on relatively easy but it was a really exciting initiation and around uh, zone one Castro always lays down some of the closest when he's on fire and it looked like a day that he was certainly going to be on fire had the weather not played a factor which I believe it did uh, on his car at that point. Uh, Wateroo Masayama went up against Dan Burkett. Burkett ended up winning. Burkett we're seeing more consistency out of now. It's taken a few years. It really has for Dan Burkett. Um, he's coming in with hype, uh, but he recently moved to Florida. And, I mean, you've seen over the last two years a different driving style. Burkett has had some of the nicest runs that he's ever had in his career in the last two years. You're seeing more and more of those rallied off. His car is pretty quick. 
Um, and, uh, yeah, no, he showed off nice. Um, eventually losing to Forsberg, of course, in the eight. But, again, Forsberg has been very dominant. Made it to the finals, as I already spoilered. Um, so, uh, Burkett losing to Forsberg isn't too big of a shock. But, uh, yeah, Dan, Rad Dan has been putting in work and is showing. And it's finally paying off for him. That's another guy who's becoming a serious competitor. Ken Gushi against Daniel Stuckey, I think, would have been interesting. Stuckey, I've already mentioned, is looking very good so far in his young career as a pro. Uh, Ken Gushi has the six out, so, of course, that came out in Atlanta. Um, a little bit of a controversial car. Some people aren't super fond of it. Um, I think the GR86 with the six-cylinder looks pretty cool. I think it sounds pretty cool, personally. Uh, but, unfortunately... Uh, the car never made it uh, into the first lap. The, uh, we were sitting right right there at initiation, uh, right up close to the fence, and the car sounded completely broken. The motor sounded absolutely awful. It definitely looked like it wasn't going to make it back out there, regardless of competition timeout or not, and it never did. So Stuki got the automatic win. And people are going like, well, Stuki advanced yet again, but this one was kind of off a of fluke. We'll get there. Odie Bakshis, and what is the biggest upset so far in the season, it could have uh, serious uh, consequences down the line. Odie Bakshi's loses in the top 32. When is the last time you remember that happening? Odie, the track was getting dry at this point, but still sort of wet. Um, again, I think this is another weather-related issue. And Odie, right in front of us, smacks into the wall. He initiates. He tries to do a feint, very aggressive into initiation. The car kind of grips up. Uh, and when it grips up, he tries to reinitiate that feint, swinging towards the wall. But he was too close at that point and just nosedived into the wall. Not even a full lap by Odie. I mean, it, it, not even initiated. And he pretty much lost right at that moment. All Eves Meyer had to do was run consistent after that. And Eves has been... He's found a way to win the last couple of years since he's entered Formula D, and this was no different. I mean, he did what he had to, knowing that Odie was going to try to put in pressure. Eve certainly did what he had to and advanced into the uh, 16. Uh, Chelsea Denofa, of course. Again, a lot of hype this year for Denofa. People expecting to see a lot. He takes out Mike Power. Not too surprising um, of a battle there. Mike, again, I think is driving decent, especially for somebody as young as he is into the series, um, or is, is inexperienced with pro one as he is with the series um but you know florida's a track Ch chelsea can certainly rip up i didn't think he went as hard as i thought he would uh, which is a little strange but he he did you know again plenty to win so uh ryan turk ended up going against ola jaeger ryan turk took the win he looks like he's going to be a tough out this year uh jtp and dean uh, carney were some, was one of the most interesting runs these are two guys that are just always full out balls to the wall um and it was uh very exciting i the crowd was definitely into that battle dean carney ended up coming out on top dean uh this is one of the better events he's had in my opinion he didn't make it past the 16 uh but he really looked pretty dialed in in most of his runs and uh yeah i mean just uh you know inconsistency with the car i think ultimately plagued him he got called contact controversially against Matt Field. A lot of controversial contact calls on Matt Field over the years just seems to be kind of a magnet for that. But, you know, nonetheless, now Matt Field ended up going against Rome Charpentier. Uh, he ended up beating Rome. Uh, so Rome was not quite able to carry out the first couple round momentum coming into this one. And it ended up losing to Matt Field. Um, but again, Matt Field's going to be a tough out. Uh, Travis Reeder against Trent Beecham is one of your most, most interesting turn of events, uh, Trent Beecham, uh, when Trent went to initiate off turn one, almost instantly his wheel fell off. 
completely shredded. Um, he continued around the bank the whole entire time. Sparks flying, riding on just the rotor. Um, you know, big sparks everywhere. I'm sure the concrete looks absolutely tremendous right there. Um, but obviously, you can only carry that for so long. In the midfield, his car was stopped and tended to. A huge applause from the crowd. But yes, uh, Travis Reader certainly won that. Say what you want about Travis Reader. He's a guy that generally throws down mistake-free runs. Um, at the very least, and uh, when, when Trent got eliminated by that, Travis Reeder is not a guy you typically worry about making a mistake when he has that big of an edge, um, and he didn't. Now, the next round saw Jonathan Hurst go against Taylor Hall. Hurst, of course, is a guy I talked about a couple years ago, Washington Pro 2, that I thought was going to be a serious competitor when he stepped into Pro 1, one of the better drivers I've seen in Pro 2 in the last five years. He has been in his first two years, uh, more so than a lot of rookies generally are. Unfortunately, today, uh, or in Orlando, um, he did lose against uh, Taylor Hall, who picked up, I believe, it was his first win of the season in the Corvette. I believe. I could be wrong. I just looked at it all, so I should remember, but um, I do believe it was his first win. So Hurst went out a little early. I was a little surprised by that, but he is in a different chassis this year, so we're probably going to see a little bit more of that as he switched to a BMW out of his G, which saddens me. I like that it was a unique G in there, um, so definitely a bit sad he made the switch, but uh, nonetheless, Dylan Hughes ends up beating, of course, Frederico Strifo. As we know, Hughes ended up winning the whole entire thing. Obviously, he was going to eliminate Freddie. The weird thing about that is Federico laid down a really, really nice run against Dylan Hughes, and the Ferrari then, shockingly enough, broke, and that just never came back to fruition. Even after he tried to make a comeback, Hughes just ended up taking it. Uh, Federico definitely, I think, was pretty even after run number one against him, though. Um, again, Fred, Federico's driving okay if the Ferrari just wouldn't break. And then moving on to the second one, Alec Robbins versus Darren Kelly. Alec Robbins ended up spinning and therefore pretty much disqualifying himself as we've seen from robbins he's a very exciting driver in his first few seasons here in pro one i have talked about him a multitude of times but he also makes some crazy mistakes um his inconsistency he has got to get ironed out he almost reminds me a bit of odie bakshis when he first stepped in uh, odie would do kind of the same thing even at florida i remember specifically him doing one but he would go a little too hard and spin out in places he should and alec has got to try to dial that down he just tends to go a little too big a little too fast areas he should know better by this point but uh, he is a very competitive and hard driver but yes he did uh, have a self-inflicted wound get him out into this particular round and darren kelly with the aston martin moved on of course again that also never came to fruition because guess what the aston martin broke in a 16 he never really got to battle hughes and hughes automatically moved on yet again the uh, exotics just aren't working out i don't know if people understand that yet but i'm again say it very clearly for those in the back the exotics are not working out uh, they just constantly break. They do not have a good track record. We have seen a drifting Lamborghini and D1 with Diego We have seen a Ferrari over here that has not completed more rounds than it has. And we have now seen an Aston Martin break multiple times in its first three entries. It is really just time to say that exotics don't belong in drifting. I hate to say that. It's going to be controversial. I know there's going to be people that hate it. That's not a diss to either of the drivers. Uh, but the cars just are not made for this. They're just not. When 30-year-old Nissans are and uh, they're, they're, they're outlasting you, and Mustangs that are 15, 10 years old are outlasting you, you got a problem. Just not meant to be there. Uh, so, of course, Osbo ended up going and making it all the way to the Final Four. Um, he beat Essa, so that was his highlight run, really. 
Uh, it was Osbo against Jones. Jones, of course, upset Osbo last year at uh, Atlanta, and uh, Osbo paid him back this year here in Orlando and beat him. Osbo then ended up beating Essa, which was, of course, like I said, it's two former champions going head to head. I think Osbo is the better driver currently, and it did show on that. Uh, Forsberg uh, ended up, uh, so Daniel Stuckey, as I mentioned earlier a few times, uh, ended up beating Eves Meyer, and Stuckey continues to roll. So when you say that he got there kind of flukish against Kangushi, which was true, but Stuckey also did head to battle with Meyer and won. Uh, I think Stuckey's one to keep my eye out for. He's not super clean yet. I don't think he's a driver who's going to like win a podium this year by any means, but he's going to be a pain for some people. He drives pretty fast. Um, the M-Spec car is pretty dialed in, so people are going to have to certainly be aware that he's there. I think this is another young guy. Like I said, the, the, the floor is raised. Uh, the people coming into Formula D Pro 1 today from Pro 2 um, are better than they were in the past a lot of times, and we are seeing more competition. Stuckey is competition, but he did end up getting taken out by Forsberg in the New Z. Forsberg in the New Z, it looks very strong. It looks very strong. I think the car has uh, potential to be quicker in the coming years than it is this year, but Forsberg drives it very fast. He gets everything he can out of it, and he is a hard out. Forsberg, of course, ended up going against Osbo, where he actually beat Frederick Osbo and ended up moving on. Osbo made a strange error in the chase. Not again, like I mentioned you know, uh, earlier. Osbo doesn't make a lot of uh, errors that draw an incomplete. He did not here either. Um, but he did have a strange deceleration coming off the bank. He was surging, really getting on Forsberg's door. Had he stayed at that proximity, I think he might have won. Um, but he didn't he kind of dropped off a bit coming off the bank after outside zone one and just never really regained the distance on uh, chris forsberg and uh, forsberg hammered it the whole entire time threw down a really really nice uh, lead they both did a pretty good lead um, but Forsberg had a better chase run. Uh, Frederick Osbo, just again that mistake where he made it coming off the bank it was just very difficult for him to recover at that point and he just didn't I think that was a good call by the judges i think maybe there's a little bit of controversy there but it doesn't need to be i think it was a relatively good call Denofa against Field saw Field winning. Chelsea Denofa took himself out. Uh, very weird this year. Denofa, I've always said, even though he's a crowd favorite, people think he's perfect. Denofa pushes so hard that he's prone to mistakes. We've seen that over and over again. The last couple of years, however, we have seen Chelsea dial the mistakes out. He's just become a very good driver. Uh, they still happen sometimes when you're 110% like Chelsea Denofa is. Um, they're going to. He's certainly one of the fan favorites for that reason. But very odd this year. More self-inflicted wounds than uh, I care to see and expected from him. There has been some minor change-ups in the car. I know uh, they move, like, I think, sway bar placement around that car. Um, I'm not sure if that's having any effect or what. The car just never looked at Orlando dialed in like it does. Chelsea looked... Like the car, he wasn't pushing the car. It, it almost looked like he was. The car was driving like it was a bit uh, not at its full potential, and it's just so weird for Genofa. But again, he ended up taking himself out against Matt Field, so it really doesn't matter as Matt Field um, uh, moved on. Uh, I do, I do want to comment. That was the most controversial round however when i say he took himself out i, I need to tread lightly on that chelsea denofa made minor contact with matfield right before the finish line right before the finish line when he was chasing he was right on his door and uh, matfield spun a ton of hot takes on this uh, round um on the internet uh since the weekend uh matfield garnering a lot of criticism some calling it a flop it's hard to tell how much the car was affected from the minor bump and the camera angles. I can see the argument for either side. The judges made the call they were comfortable with, uh, but this was a very controversial call. If I was a judge, how do I rule it? I don't know. I don't know. That one's tough. Um, I'm prone to think 
I'm prone to think that Matt could have held on to it um, if he wanted to, but that's just because we've seen stuff like this happen with Matt Field several times. It's tough. I mean, it's hard to see whether wheel-to-wheel they make uh, contact enough to really mess up. The Corvette weight balance is also a little different. Has a very like stubby rear end. It doesn't have like kind of that track weight to balance it out in the back. Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. There's been a lot of controversy. Uh, tough for me to call either way, but nonetheless, Matt Field did move on from that. Travis Reeder against Hughes. You have a battle of two BMWs and two drivers that typically finish somewhere in the 16 or the 8. Not tonight, though, as, Trav- uh, as Travis uh, Reeder lost to Dylan Hughes. That battle came in a monsoon, and that battle came during... Uh, it was actually paused because we were told to get to safety. There was a tornado warning. Orlando, so we did have a brief halt until the tornado warning was over. If you were watching on the stream, you probably saw that. Some people had already left or maybe turned on the street, or turned off the stream at that point. But a tornado warning did come and pause it. When the tornado warning expired and Reader and Hughes were allowed back on the track, it was virtually a monsoon. It changed the dynamic a ton heading into the final because the track, as a lot of people know that were watching qualifying um, in the in the two days prior, they were expecting rain all day. It actually did not hardly rain at all outside of the opening round. Uh, the top 32, it rained right before that started. Um, so you had a wet track briefly, but then it was really dry all the way until this final battle of the eight. So they battled in basically a monsoon. Hughes just ended up taking off consistency reader, making mistakes. And that ended up sending the final fours, Osbo Field, Forsberg, and Hughes. Um... Osbo lost to Forsberg. Again, we've already talked about the mistakes he made. And Field, shockingly, Matt Field lost to Hughes. Also, uh, some people saying some karma on that one. Um, I don't know. doesn't matter. It's just drumming up a storyline for the season. Um, but Dylan Hughes ended up uh, taking his podium and then ended up being Chris Forsberg for his, uh, his podium first finish, which was... For a lot of people, we're happy to see Dylan Hughes certainly has a big fan base. Um, but uh, definitely a massive upset in this round for a lot of the people at the top or expected to be at the top of the point standing. Uh, so we'll have to see kind of the ramifications this has uh, moving forward. So looking at the overall prospect landscape and what we're seeing, or I mean, excuse me, looking at the overall pro landscape and what we're seeing on the season, Frederick Osbo currently is your number one at 100, um, excuse me, at... Uh, 264 total points behind him nine points under is matt field and then in third place you currently have chris forsberg i think that's surprising for some people i think they'd be surprised to that name up there but uh it's back-to-back second place finishes that put him at 249 so he has 15 points back ahead of even ryan turk who takes a huge drop off at 42 points back and then odie box she's really hurting himself this round falling 69 points back currently in sixth place I'm ahead of Chelsea Denofa and behind Dylan Hughes, your winner from this past event. So that wraps up your kind of top seven right there on the series. Um, Matt Field, of course, sitting right there as he deserves to be. With his driving Frederick Osbo, number one. I really think it's hard to bet against him. I really do. Uh, moving forward, I think he's going to be a tough one. Not for a lot of people. He just looks unreal in the Supra and just so fast. Uh, again, prospect round one was this weekend. We saw these guys come out. I want to mention, I love that Prospect didn't have all that many BMWs this year. There is a lot of S15s and other cars. I like that a lot. Really, really happy with that. Second, this I think is the best looking grouping of cars we have had in Prospect, uh, maybe ever. I mean, there are some super stylish cars. Um, We see Andy uh, came out in a brand new car. So Andy Haley comes out in a newer BMW chassis. 
he really rips it up. Uh, I think he calls it uh, Habanero, I believe. You know, spoiler ends up winning the whole entire thing. Andy Haley gets his first uh, you know podium finish here since his return to drifting, really, and uh, much deserved. I mean, he's worked very hard on it. I don't know a guy who's put in uh, more work than that guy has when it comes to this. Uh, uh, prospect grouping and he took first i think this is a good sign the way he drove he looks so comfortable in the new i think it's the e46 um he looks so comfortable and it just drove really well he's going to be a hard out this year i think that he likely warrant his pro license by the end of the season uh when you only have four rounds and you win one that puts you in pretty good standing already uh human rahimi i was really surprised to go out against steve misco we've seen uh human has really looked pretty good over the last few years and gotten uh, some pretty good height, but went out against Steve Misco. Misco drove pretty consistent all weekend. Ended up losing, of course, to Haley. Uh, Derek Madison against Amanda Sorensen. Amanda Sorensen didn't look comfortable at all. Pretty much gave that round away to uh, Derek Madison. Uh, Madison made a pretty deep run. Ended up getting taken out by Haley in the eight. Uh, but again, Haley won it all. Madison looked pretty darn good. Um, he also ended up beating uh, Martinez, which uh, Javier Martinez went against. Uh, uh, Eric Medici, I think is how you pronounce his name. And um, that one was a little bit of an odd battle. There's a lot to break down there. But Medici kind of didn't do himself any favors. Uh, almost looked like he tried to kind of run away from it. Martinez did not. And he ended up taking the W. Uh, Bogovic versus Ryan O'Connor. Bogovic really came out of nowhere, drove super well. He ended up taking out Alex Yeager. I mean, Yeager's driving Forsberg's old Z. Uh, he was a guy who was in Forsberg's pit crew. He's been around drifting a lot. The car is certainly set up you know, more for this than a lot of the other field. Didn't matter. Bogovic took him out anyway, and uh, Bogovic drove really well. The um, pedal commander uh, car, and uh, yeah, it was nice to see that. It's an S chassis making a deep run. Really kind of like that car in general, and his driving suited him well. I uh, made it to the final uh, four on this. So uh, in the top four, Bogovic got all the way there. That's a name a lot of people aren't familiar with, but you're probably going to have to be. His driving was pretty top notch. You know, Wadman's been around for a bit. He's battling. He looked pretty good, but ended up losing, of course, to Bogovic. Uh, Austin Mata, this was a pretty big upset when it comes to Pro 2, has made a name for himself. Again, Austin Mata is probably one of the most controversial drift figures. If you've been into drifting, if you're not into drifting, you wouldn't know who this guy was. If you've been into drifting for a long time, you certainly know his name. Actually, a pretty awesome comeback story from this kid. Um, and he's been drive, driving really well his whole entire Pro 2 career. Uh, but Zach Farrar, in what is one of the coolest or most stylish looking cars in Pro 2, uh, ended up taking him out in the Shinshuko S13 um, or S13.4. Ended up taking out Austin Mata in a pretty big upset. Um, and it was really Mata's undoing. Um, he just didn't really chase well at all. And Farrar ended up taking that. Um, I think he's going to develop into a fan favorite, though. Uh, Zach Farrar will because he was he was entertaining, uh, but uh, again Alex Yeager of course got Ricky Hoffman but then was taken out um, uh, later on by Bogovic after he beat Farrar in the 16. So that's how that went down. Yeager kind of just left him off the line in that super setup car. It's kind of sucky to see Farrar go out that way because he was driving really well. Um, but hey, I mean it's hard to keep up on the straight with cars that are really set up for it. Farrar should have gotten a better jump. Like I said, didn't matter. Bogovic ended up eliminating him anyway. Uh, Rich Whiteman, his day kind of sucks. So he beat Carlos uh, Arietta. I like Rich Whiteman a lot because his car is super stylish. He's a very good driver in the JZX chassis. Um, Carlos Arietta, uh, of course, is one of your more seasoned drivers here as well um, in an SC. And um, I like that car a lot just because it's different, not because it's particularly stylish. I don't necessarily think he has the most stylish SC in the world. However, um, I like that it's something different uh, in Prospec. Uh, but Rich is a really good driver. He took him out. The problem then ended up happening. Rich Whiteman 
uh, versus the winner of the next battle, which was Nate Chen and Richard Advani. Nate Chen moved on. Uh, Nate Chen had a good showing, but Rich Whiteman uh, later uh, talked about his tires pretty much malfunctioned on him. They pretty much were shot. Uh, and the run against Chen and Rich Whiteman pretty much fell off the face of the earth in the chase. Uh, very strange for him to have that happen. Is he a better driver than Nick Chen? It's tough to say. I mean, Chen put down some nice runs anyway, but it was definitely, I think Whiteman's got to be on your radar after last year and prospect, and for him to go out there in the 16 was a little surprising. Both he and Chen are good drivers, though, and, and Chen, of course, made a deep run getting to all the way to the eight. Uh, Blake Olson against uh, Rudy Hansen. Um, Rudy Hansen has a kind of, I think, cool-looking car again, kind of like more simple, not a crazy one. Um, Blake Olson, of course, has been here a bit, so it was a bit of, um, um, you know, expected for Blake Olson to win, and he did. I mean, he just went out there and did what he always does. Uh, the story, however, of Prospect and uh, of the weekend on this is uh, the the next guy, Ben Hobson. Ben Hobson not only has, I think, the best-looking car in all of Prospect, and I think it'd be one of the better-looking cars in all of Formula D. Um, he went against Kelsey Rawlings, of course, the hometown girl that has been um, making uh, this run to get her pro license here for a few years and has really put in a ton of work. Ha uh, Rawlings put down, in my honest opinion, the best laps we have ever seen from her. Rawlings, Kelsey put down two... Um, runs against Hobson I think it was probably the third greatest runs of the night I really do I have the whole field all 31 uh, drivers in the top 32 for a prospect I think she lays on the third nicest runs the problem comes that uh, Ben Hobson laid down the second in my opinion best runs of the night and beat her it was really a shame for Kelsey Rawlings because she drove so well and would have beaten nearly anybody in that field. But Ben Hobson, and we're going to hear that name a lot coming up here shortly, um, put down just such amazing runs and, and eked out a win against her. Um, uh, just incredible. I mean, incredible driving for him. He put the car right on the wall. Looks like a seasoned veteran. This guy is going to be ready to compete in pro very soon. Uh, Tommy Lemaire, really, TLO had a super unfortunate ending. Uh, didn't even really get it started. Casey Cole advances. Uh, he drove really well anyway, um, but Tommy never got started. Of course, a favorite uh, from last year. I mean, we know he's a good driver, so super big upset. Adam Napick ended up getting taken out by Bystrick. A bit of an upset. Uh, Bystrick being uh, not, you know, uh, Napick is a guy who has some some uh, hype from, from prior year. Um, and Bystrick came out of kind of nowhere and just came in and did his thing, but ended up beating Napick and advancing on. Robert Thorne ended up going against uh, Corey Talaska. Uh, Thorne ended up moving on. These are names we're going to have to get familiar with um, because the crazier part is that Dimitri Bruski, their two-time defending prospect champion, um, and certainly the favorite coming into the air, I don't think anybody uh, would beat. Uh, Dimitri Bruski ended up beating Trenton uh, Croft in the top 32. Uh, which was, he, he pretty much got a free pass on that. Uh, but then ended up getting beat by Thorne. And there's some controversy here. Brutsky uh, publicly in an interview after his run blamed Thorne for coming in too hot on uh, on him and hitting him into the wall in initiation. Um, but I, I actually do disagree with Brutsky there. Um, and the judges did as well. Brutsky taps the wall and, and kind of straightens up. I don't, I mean, a seasoned driver probably can adjust to that to a degree in the chase. But Thorne was pushing. It was pretty uh, tight on him and just couldn't. I mean, but Brutsky's contact made him slow 
slow down and straighten up, and that put Thorne to the side of him, which forced him to rest the way into the wall. I do think the fault lies on Brutski for that. I think the judges made a judgment call, but I do think they made the right one. Brutski's still going to be a pro, I think, by next year. I don't know why he hasn't made the jump. This guy's the best driver in the field for the last two years. Um, but an early exit for him, definitely a big surprising. Orlando had major upsets in both pro and prospect. Um, very surprised Brutski went out. Uh, you know, it happens. That's drifting. That's one of the reasons we love drifting. And Thorne moves on in the upset. Thorne ended up uh, beating Bystrick later on. So a BMW advances there. Um, ben Hobson, the name I told you to watch out, goes against Nate Chen. And Hobson does what he does. And, I mean, he was just laying down some sick runs. I mean, consistently sick uh, getting a little close on the inner clips at times, but it really didn't matter. The rest of his runs were just so perfect. His entry is extremely aggressive. If you did not watch Prospect, please do yourself a favor and go watch Prospect. Uh, the field this year is so much more talented. Than I, I really, I think this is the most talent-rich pack. Um, and you know, they say that every year, a lot of times in Formula D, that the talent level has risen. Um, I'm always hesitant to say that. Half the field of prospect doesn't usually look like they belong there. That is not the case this year. This is a competitive field of good drivers. Ben Hobson, however, is in a class of his own. This guy will be a pro, and he will be a pro soon. And when he is, he is instantly a competitor. This guy might be one of the best competitors we've seen. So obviously, if you can tell what I'm saying, again, he beat Nate Chen and goes to the Final Four. Um, on the other side, Andy Haley takes out uh, Derek Madison, who had a really good round and moves on. Uh, Haley was your number one qualifier and moves on to the final four. And this, Bogovic again beats Jaeger, as we already talked about, moves on. So your four ends up being Haley versus Bogovic, which ends up with Haley winning that and moving on. And it ends up being Hobson versus Thorne. And again, if you can't tell my talking about Ben Hobson, he moves on. The final is Andy Haley versus Ben Hobson. These are two of the three best drivers, I think. In the whole entire field, and I'm just saying that off the sample size of seeing Hobson here in Orlando this year, uh, but they were absolutely um, the right guys to be in this matchup, and uh, ended ended up with Andy Haitley taking it. Hobson made an error on his chase run that ultimately cost him. He came in too shallow. Uh, he drove so well and so aggressive, but sometimes, as we see with Chelsea Denofa. The aggressive driving doesn't always pay off, even though I think it is definitely the right way to go. That's what people watch drifting for. Hobson came in very aggressive, but he ended up shallowing up against uh, Haley on his chase, and he ended up almost even like passing his car in like a, a, a team burst pass. Uh, he went so shallow and under, didn't saved it. It took a lot of talent to save it. A lot of drivers would have straightened and completed there. He did not. He kept it going, but Andy put down two consistent laps and he ended up rightfully taking first place uh but people know to watch out for andy Haley this year there's been a lot of hype about him in the new chassis over these last couple people know to watch out for dimitri bruski but i'm gonna tell you kelsey rawlings if she looks halfway as good the rest of the time as she did it in her first round loss against hobson she's going to be somebody to watch out for she deserved a pro license last year and barely missed um, and Ben Hobson, this is a guy that you're going to need to know a name. This guy is a serious, serious drifter from Alabama. Uh, he is the real deal. His car is super stylish. If you're a fan of drifting and style and JDM style and drifting, you're going to like this guy. You're going to like his car, and you are going to be seeing a lot of it. This guy is no flash in the pan. He is extremely talented, and he, mark my words, will be a pro at the end of the season or at least earn his pro license. And I I think he is absolutely ready to make the jump. So just to wrap up Prospect, 
Um, I want to touch on a couple things again with prospect. There are a few drivers here that are absolutely ready to make the jump. Brewski once again will show that he is. He should have already made the jump. He is ready to make the jump. Andy Haitley very well may position himself uh, this year to make the jump. And Ben Hobson, I certainly think these three and that, and, and look, Ben Hobson, the hype might be coming for real off this one event uh, for me, but it was just such a dominating event. I've been around drifting a long time. I got into drifting around 2000 or 2001. I was a kid. Um, I got my first S13 in 2004. I've been over this in the podcast. I've watched D1. I've watched Formula D since the beginning. I still watch them all today. Formula D, Formula D Japan, D1, D1 Lights, uh, Formula D Prospect. I watch it all. And... um, I'm telling you, this guy, Ben Hobson, possesses quite a lot of talent. He is he is ready to be a pro, and I say that passionately because it's some of the most exciting driving I've seen in quite a while. So do yourself a favor. Watch Prospect. It's a really good battle this particular year. Your winner in round one is Andy Haitley. He's positioned well to get his pro license this year, and keep an eye on Ben Hobson. Uh, he is definitely here to play. So when it comes to Prospect, um, and we get into kind of the standing so far after this, that one, um, that puts you with Andy Haitley at first place, Ben Hobson at second place, and Evan Bogovich at third. Uh, again, this is a very talented group. The, the top eight drivers at the end of this year, a good portion of them, in my opinion, will be ready to make the jump. Dmitry Bruski, of course, being upset, that's only going to be a fluke. He's a good driver. He's going to come back. Uh, Michael Essa certainly puts out good drivers, as we've seen, not only with Michael Essa, champion himself, uh, but, of course, with 17-year-old Brandon Sorensen, who has had a pretty good start to the season in Pro 1, making it all the way to eight in Atlanta. And, of course, now with Dmitry Bruski, uh, two-time defending champion at Prospect. The Essa Racing... Uh, Dynasty is for real, and um, yeah, love it or hate it, uh, he he's bringing some success there um, in his uh, BMW group. So uh, they'll be interesting to watch. So uh, I'm gonna return soon with another podcast, you guys. I'm not gonna leave you hanging. I know it's it's a little weird having me solo. I'm not able to bounce jokes off and stuff, but I did really want to talk about this. I'm pretty passionate about how the season has started. I think there's a lot to look forward to and a lot to have enjoyed. Please feel free to drop a comment. Uh, you can you know, uh, DM me on, on social media. Send us a message if you want me to talk about something. Or, if, again, I like to dialogue with you guys. You don't have to just drop me a message. Like uh, I'm just a fan like all of you who's been doing this a very long time. Uh, let's, let's talk about something or whatever uh, for the future podcast. And, uh, and uh, let's keep an eye on this. I'm going to drop another podcast here in the coming weeks that won't be pro-focused. I think we have some cool stuff to talk about. I want to talk about some just like old JDM stuff. I want to talk about like your favorite drift media. I'd love to hear some feedback from you guys about what you like. What is a memorable, your most memorable drift media? Like what got you into drifting? We've kind of touched on this before, but I always find it fascinating. Um, and, uh, yeah, I want to do a podcast a little different than just focusing on pro stuff. I want to get uh, into the grassroots nitty gritty of drifting again, um, which is my favorite aspect of it. So until next time, guys, thank you for tuning in. I'm glad to be back with battle damage drift podcast. And I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Please let me know how we did today. And we are available again on all podcast services, all the way from Apple to Spotify and everything in between. Uh, shout out to anchor FM always for hosting us. And uh, again, I wanted to uh, plug and give a shout out to Stateside Garage. This isn't me giving a sponsored uh, shout out at all with these guys. Uh, he is just that awesome. I'm happy to be a customer uh, with him at Stateside Garage with Andrew. And uh, you should do yourself a favor and head there. Don't buy from overpriced price gougers in the scene. Stateside Garage will hook you up with some for real stuff. So give him a follow and check out his stuff to buy. But don't buy it if I want it. All right.
<laughs> I want to buy the cool stuff. Uh, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, definitely check out his stuff. And thank you guys again for tuning in to Battle Damage Drift Podcast. Much love. Take it easy. And we will see you guys later.